lifted some stones Saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house Where the citizens like to sit They say they want the kingdom But they don't want God in it Yeah, I went with nothing Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering From the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends or enemies that could or should be watching the show but don't receive it, have them go to www.hotm.tv and they can watch Heart from anywhere in the world through streaming video. Also, Heart of the Matter can be heard tonight, right now, in fact, on KUTR AM 820, The Truth. And uh, this is a new AM radio station here in Utah. Let me tell you, they deliver the goods. They have great programming, some of the best uh, radio preachers. They teach the word. 50,000 watts of transmission power, tremendous programming. So uh, highly recommend it. You can also hear Heart of the Matter live, or not live, Heart of the Matter from uh, 8 to 9 every Tuesday night on uh, The Truth, 8.20 a.m. It's getting colder, uh, fall is coming, and it's time for our annual event. This will be the third time we've done it. We've changed the name, Burning Heart 08, The Day of Decision. It's going to be more uh, centered on outreach. Bring your friends, your family to Sugar House Park, September 20th. That's a Saturday from 3 to 9 p.m. anytime uh, in those hours, we're going to have great food at a deep discount and uh, awesome live music. Uh, meet and greet people from all over the state. Bring your LDS family and friends, people who are inactive. Bring people who don't believe in the Lord, people who are seeking. We'd love to see them. A blanket, food of your own if you want, and a desire to hear the word. That's Saturday, September 20th from 3 to 9 p.m. at Sugar House Park. Burning Heart, the day of decision. Everybody is welcome. Let, remind, uh, let me remind any and all of you that are searching for more information, uh, really good, solid, reliable information about Mormonism, <clears throat> go to utlm.org. Now, we often have people write us and say, there are so many internet sites and places that you can get information from. Uh, how come you don't recommend those as well? And we know there are a number of very good sources and sites, but UTLM has been around for a long, long time. They have had the time and the patience to build a, a, a library that is just phenomenal. It's reliable. You can look at the information. It, most of it comes from LDS sources. You can see what the history has been from LDS sources. And they, they, uh, they handle things really well. And when something comes up that seems like it's just going to really slam Mormonism that isn't true, they're the first ones to say it's not right, and they don't print it. So utlm.org, I can't recommend it enough. Why reinvent the wheel? You want the detailed information? utlm.org. If you're looking for a place to learn the word verse by verse, beginning to end, join us Sunday at the University of Utah. Directions are at the website, lordsword.org. We are no longer gathering in the theaters in downtown Salt Lake City, but have moved both of our meetings to the University of Utah. First uh, meeting is from 9.15 to 10.15 in the morning. The second is from 7 to 8 p.m. As a result of the move and because of our focus on uh, the word, we're renaming these services Campus, C-A-M-P-U-S. It's right there on your screen. Calvary Campus is going to be the name of, uh, of the church that we're establishing there at the University of Utah and beginning September 21st at Weber State in Ogden and at Utah State in Logan. Three different places, same time uh, in the day, and we're branching out to be able to teach the word. Everybody is welcome. By the way, campus stands for Christian Assemblies Meeting to Prayerfully Understand Scripture. 
campus. If you have a church that you attend, keep going to that church, keep supporting that church, but use this as a resource that you can come to if you want on a Sunday night and hear the word verse by verse. If you don't have a church you attend, come and join us until you decide to move on. But we're there to teach and serve you beginning to end in the word and to equip people with the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to lordsword.org if you want more information about times and directions for any of those locations. Last week, a great friend of ours who came to know the Lord and walked away from Mormonism attended an LDS service for the first time in years. She told me that it was her intention to go and sit and really listen to what was said in their sacrament service. It was a testimony meeting held in a ward house on the east bench of Salt Lake City. She said uh, she is a God-fearing Christian. She loves the Lord and she loves truth. And she told me she was blown away at the number of times people got up to the pulpit and they talked about Joseph Smith. She counted nine in the number of people who got up to speak. As far as Jesus or Christ or Savior was mentioned, not once, not once. She wasn't there to, to give me some blind facts. If Jesus was mentioned a hundred times in Joseph 9, she would have told me. Nine times Joseph, Jesus never, except when they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. She walked out absolutely mortified. In Mormon, if Mormonism willingly accepts praise and glory to men, that is their business. That is their right. I, we wouldn't do this show if that's all they did, honestly but they tell people they're Christian. And so we are going to continue to fight against it as long as they continue to call themselves Christian. On February 16th of 1847, John D. Lee, who was in a highly favored position in the LDS church at the time, wrote that Brigham Young taught, quote, Joseph Smith will stand at the head of this church and will be their president, prophet, and God to this people of this dispensation, end quote. Twenty years later, Wilford Woodruff in 1869 wrote in his journal that Brigham Young said, quote, Some have thought it strange that I, what I have said concerning Adam, but the period will come when this people, if faithful, will be willing to adopt Joseph Smith as their prophet, seer, revelator, and God but not the father of their spirits, for that was Father Adam, end quote. From roots like this, from the early tree called Mormonism, it is no wonder that Mormonism today continues to unabashedly, even blasphemously, praise the name, disseminate images, tearfully sing hymns about Joseph Smith, and speak more frequently about him in their meetings than the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Shame on you, Latter-day Saints, for putting up with this for one more day of your life. You ought to unitedly stand up and say, no more. You want to have him and revere him as the guy who started our church? Okay, we'll read about him every now and then. Once a year, we'll say, hey, it was really good Joseph started the church. But you should not stand for one minute of praise being heaped upon a man, especially in, in, in place of the Lord Jesus Christ. With that, let's have a prayer. Dear Lord, I need you and we need you to enlighten our minds and to help us understand your word through your spirit. We pray you'll be with our audience here, wherever they may be throughout the world, with our camera people, with our volunteers. We love you, Lord. We pray for those people who are struggling and ask you to be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been speaking for a number of weeks about some of the fruits of Mormonism, where the church today tends to ardently portray itself as a bastion of goodness and wholesome living, I would suggest that Mormonism, even today, continues to bear fruit that is antithetical to God and His ways. All of this fruit is tied to the teachings of their founding prophet, Joseph Smith. Two weeks ago, we discussed the fruit of deception that Joseph Smith introduced to good living people who are seeking to know God. Last week we talked about the fruit of revelation without scriptural substantiation or how Joseph got people to rely on their feelings to know or discern God's truth. Tonight we're going to get a little bit more hands-on. If you study Mormonism long enough, you begin to see very strong Old Testament inclinations in their practice and in their theology. 
In Exodus 21:24, Moses recorded God as saying, quote, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. This was God's law at the time. Whether this is acted out in LDS Church today or not, there remains in the heart of most faithful believers, and as a result of their doctrine, a semblance of this Old Testament teaching. And sometimes this semblance rises up underneath the white shirts and the knee-length dresses and takes action. Unlike the gospel of Jesus found in the New Testament, Joseph Smith taught that there are some sins that are, quote, beyond the reach of the atoning blood of Christ, end quote. And for these sins to even have a chance to be forgiven, Joseph said the sinner would have to, quote, have their own blood shed to atone for them. Aside from all sorts of theological implications, this single teaching became the seed of some of the most unconscionable acts and attitudes within Mormonism past and present. In 2001, historian Michael D. D. Michael Quinn labeled the collective result of this teaching of Joseph Smith's as the culture of violence. I would suggest the culture remains today more hidden, perhaps, but nevertheless alive in the hearts of many ardent, faithful Latter-day Saints. Where Joseph Smith began as a teen who said he saw heavenly beings that delivered gold plates and such, he sort of snowballed over time into this guy who became of this power-hungry person. In 1845, after Joseph Smith's death, LDS apostles issued a proclamation to the world. It starts off, to the rulers and people of all nations. This proclamation said in part that, quote, the kingdom of God has come, meaning Mormonism, even that kingdom that shall fill the whole earth and shall stand forever, end quote. This proclamation served as nothing less than a warning to the world that Mormonism was going to someday take control of the world and they had better join up. Apostle Parley P. Pratt, who penned the proclamation all, uh, to all the world leaders to join them and to, quote, reduce all nations and creed to one political and religious standard and thus put an end to babble forms and names and to strife and war. Then he added that if the leaders of the world did not, quote, take a lively interest with the saints of the Most High and the covenant people of the Lord, meaning Mormonism, that they would become the Latter-day Saints' most inveterate enemy. There is a veiled threat right there in those statements. Statements like these, coupled with Joseph Smith's teaching on blood atonement, served as a dry kindling for people who understood an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth, but never embraced the further teaching of the Lord called Turn the Other Cheek. Then along comes Brigham Young, who the LDS hold as a prophet and seer and revelator, who they have named a university after and plaster it all over the world. He takes this kindling, wraps it up, douses it with lamp oil, and he stands behind LDS uh, pulpits back from 1845 on till he died. And he teaches that they take action, which is in direct opposition to Jesus Christ. Brigham sought at all costs to build a modern theocracy and he used Joseph's teachings on blood atonement or what later became known as holy murder to control, manipulate, and even take the life of anyone who threatened his vision. Michael Quinn wrote, in, uh, wrote this Great Basin attitude, quote, encouraged Mormons to consider it their religious right to kill antagonistic outsiders, common criminals, LDS apostates, and even faithful Mormons who committed sins worthy of death. Sins worthy of death. However, Young did not rely solely upon the doctrine of blood atonement to control the masses. He actually added a teaching of his own to the temple ceremony, which was called the Oath of Vengeance. After Joseph Smith was killed, Brigham Young added, remember, he added this oath to the temple ritual, to Joseph's temple ritual, which was supposed to have come from God, on the, anniversary, the first anniversary of Joseph Smith's death. What the temple attendees would swear to was this, quote, 
You and each of you do covenant and promise that you will pray and never cease to pray, Almighty God, to avenge the blood of the prophets upon this nation and that you will teach the same to your children and to your children's children unto the third and fourth generation, end quote. Then everybody was placed under an oath of death to follow this oath or covenant that Brigham introduced in the temple. Sound like Jesus? Sound like Christianity? As a means to reinforce the severity of this oath, Brigham Young said, quote, There is not a man or woman who violates the covenants made with their God that will not be required to pay the debt. The blood of Christ will never wipe that out. Your own blood must atone for it, end quote. The LDS prophet said the blood of Christ will never wipe out if you broke this promise to avenge the blood of Joseph upon the nation. Does this sound Christian? Would Jesus ever say this kind of thing? Can you see what such teachings can lead to? It removes the only spot remover for sin that God has ever given, the blood of Jesus Christ, and places it squarely back into the hands of men. As a matter of fact, Brigham so reinforced the doctrine of blood atonement that he even put the onus of shedding the blood of others on his own people. In the Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, pages 219 to 220, he said, quote, Will you love your brothers or sisters likewise when they have committed a sin that cannot be atoned for without the shedding of their blood? Will you love that man or woman well enough to shed their blood? Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Jesus said, forgive everyone. God said, vengeance is mine. But Brigham Young said to the people who trusted them as their prophet, quote, will you love this brother or sister enough to shed their blood for the sins they have committed that can't be covered by the blood of Jesus? I'm not making these things up. You guys get mad at me. I'm just reading what the history has been and the foundation upon which Mormonism was built. This was not some rhetorical device used by Brigham Young to control the members or scare enemies of the church. It was a heartfelt practice that was carried out and even reenacted in temple rites that I participated in up until the time before I left the church with my wife. They reenact the penalty and the punishment of shedding your own blood for doing these things. Historian Wallace Steger said, quote, to pretend that there were no holy murders in Utah and along the trails to California, that there was no saving of the souls of sinners by the shedding of their blood during the blood atonement revival of 1856, that there were no mysterious dis disappearances of apostates and offensive Gentiles is simply bad history, end quote. Historian Juanita Brooks said that, quote, blood atonement was a literal and terrible reality that Brigham Young, that, quote, Brigham Young advocated and preached it without compromise. LDS apologists claim that while this teaching may have been there, the evidence that of it ever occurring is absent. This is just not true. According to Church Historical Department journals, two LDS women who were messing around with some soldiers at Camp Floyd here in Utah were later found with their throats slit almost to decapitation. The possible sign of an early intermountain Hannibal Lecter, but the more probable result of Mormon blood atonement. Mountain Meadows, which we're going to cover in depth next year when we cover the rest of LDS history from the death of Joseph Smith to the present day, uh, is almost irrefutably tied by historian Will Bagley to the practice and promotion of Brigham Young's blood atonement doctrine. You want more fruit of this poisonous tree? Look at the FLDS, who rightfully believe, rightfully believe that in addition to the banning of polygamy and blacks receiving the priesthood, that the practice of blood atonement is just another lost truth from which present day church has apostatized. It's because Joseph and, and Brigham taught that these things were not changeable. These things were going to be forever. And the FLDS say, hey, they made it an eternal doctrine. I'm going to follow it, even if the present day church has tried to kind of escape from it being a doctrine in their church. Read up on the history of the LeBaron family. 
the polygamous LeBaron family, fruit of the Joseph Smith tree. Perhaps more frightening is the relatively present-day story of the Lafferty family. Dan and Ron Lafferty were faithful adult LDS brothers who looked into Mormonism's early teachings and found the present-day church wanting. Dan influenced his brother Ron to get back to the true eternal teachings of Joseph Smith, which included polygamy. Ron's wife didn't agree with this, and she left Ron. Dan received a powerful revelation, which of course was unsubstantiated by the Bible, but certainly full of feelings that no one should ever trust, that his brother's wife, Brenda, another brother's wife, Brenda, had instigated this rebellion and that she needed to have her blood shed in order to be forgiven. So on good old Pioneer Day, 1984, Ron and Dan forced their way into their brother's home in American Fork and slit the throats of Brenda, his wife, and then of their little baby daughter, I think two years old at the time, in the crib. On August 17th in 1984, the Salt Lake Tribune reported that the victim's throats were slashed in what police said was a ritualistic killing. No kidding. From the seed springs a tree. From the tree springs the fruit. From the fruit springs a seed. And on and on it goes. LDS defenders will respond to this stuff by saying Christian people have murdered people too. The difference, and listen closely, the difference is Jesus Christ never, ever advocated cutting throats or shedding the blood of people to have them uh, have their sins forgiven. But Brigham and Joseph did. If a Christian does it, they are in absolute odds with what Jesus taught. But if a Mormon does it, they are right in line with what is taught, not only in their history, but also had been taught up until well, I left the temple in their temples themselves. Do you see the difference? Does it sound Christian? Now, the LDS will call these things aberrant and atypical of Mormon people all over the world. This may be true. I would strongly suggest, however, that the fruit, while dormant, is ripening. Several months ago, we received a call here on the show from a man named John. We call him John O'Fallon. He's actually from O'Fallon, Illinois, he says. Frustrated by my responses to him, John ended his call by speaking his heart. This first call, he said, you know, Sean, I wish the Danites were still around. I asked him to explain to the audience what he meant, and he quietly said, you know what I mean. Fruit from the original seed. Remember, the Danites were a group that meted out vengeance upon people who would stand and go against what the Mormon church was trying to implement worldwide. We receive emails and letters in the mail that are constantly expressing their desire to do extremely violent things to my person. There are blogs and message boards that challenge my actual right to live. This is the fruit that is not just manifested to antagonists. Go watch a church-sponsored sporting event. The LDS play basketball on Saturdays. I have a friend who's LDS who is an ER doctor, and he says here in Utah, the ER rooms are filled with these guys who beat the pulp out of each other at these church-sponsored sporting events. It's still in the heart. The spirit of Joseph and Brigham remains alive and well. But I would suggest in a somewhat dormant state until, until, Mormonism has reached their long-awaited place where they can actually impose its collective will on others. And then it will. Let's open up the phone lines, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. While the operators are going through, if you're calling those numbers and they're busy, just keep trying. You may get a machine, but just keep trying. Make sure you have a question uh, if you're LDS, we would love LDS callers. You have a concise question or comment, and we can move on with that. Uh, got a letter from somebody who told me about their asking years ago to have their name removed from the uh, records of the church. This is from Sharon, and she actually sent me a letter that they sent to her dated October 23rd, 1974. And the, it's interesting, if you read the tone of this letter, we also get 
other letters from people who are in Project Abandoned Ship, who that is, they are sending in their letters to be have their name taken off, and they'll send me copies of them, and we read them, and they're they're pretty benign, and you know the Lord loves you. But back just in 1974, this one ended with, "We wish to bear you testimony that the course you propose will undoubtedly result in eternal disappointment." At the same time, they invited them to appear at the at a bishop's court for a trial of their church membership and that they held this church court. They uh, gave them what they call the summons and that when this person asked to have their name removed, what they actually did was they sent them a letter and said, you were excommunicated. Now there's a big difference between having your name removed and being excommunicated. Excommunicated is a punitive uh, uh, disciplinary type action. Having your name removed is a different thing. Back in that day, they used to embarrass you by having you excommunicated. And she went on to tell me in this kind of lengthy email about what they did to embarrass her and ostracize her. And all she did was say, I want my name taken off. They had no grounds for anything else. She wanted her family's name taken off. And what they did in response was to excommunicate you. I want you to know in this day and age, they don't do that anymore. They just take your name off so you don't have to be fearful of those repercussions. We have uh, Stephen on line one in Clinton. Let me just read one more thing. This is from Brittany and she writes, believe what you will and uh, we will give you that same respect. I know in my heart that Jesus is my personal Savior and Redeemer, and that is enough for me. Well, I'm glad that you know that he's your personal Savior and Redeemer, and I'm not going to question that, uh, Brittany. But you go through and you talk about me as knowing that Jesus would not honestly argue with other people in his name, and that, it, that I can believe how I will, but I need to give you the same respect. I want you to know, Brittany, that you don't give me the same respect on a number of accounts. Your church sends out missionaries to knock on people's door who are seeking a relationship with the Lord or seeking a, to know God somehow. And these missionaries that go out there, they do the very same thing that I'm doing on this show. They attack. They attack Christianity. They say that all the creeds were an abomination to God and they go after them. So you're not playing on an even playing field. In your heart, you might be a really nice girl and you might really have a relationship with Jesus. But Mormonism, the church that you belong to, plays dirty. And they play dirty with people in all aspects. We see it. If you want evidence, come down to the office and we'll show you. And it's not right that they knock on people's door and they tell people that their Christian faith is an abomination to God. And that Mormonism is the only true and living church upon the face of this earth. And it's the only church you, and that you have to belong to in order to go and live with God after this life. Brittany, that's a lie. And it really does bother us. And so we're going to continue on with where we're at. Uh, Steve, I'm going to get to you in a second. I'm going to go to a first-time caller, John, in Salt Lake City. John, you're on Heart of the Matter. John? Oh, hi. Hi, hey, John. Hey, John, you're on the air. Yeah. You're on the air. Okay. Uh, I like what you say on the... I, I, I like what you say on the TV. Thank you. So program every week. Thank you, John. Did but uh, <clears throat> the thing I um, I um, concern about um, I think there are some some you say tonight is is you make it up. It's not true. Really? Yeah. Give me I read, some. I read some uh, some of uh, what you, you say on the church history. Really? Some more you you talk tonight is a makeup. Yeah. Because I, I know you mentioned you be all this before. Yeah. Then you, then you left with your wife. Yes. That, that's how you do if somebody got mad for somebody, he tried to make a false statement of I, history for anybody. John? Yeah. I, okay. I, I, I don't, okay. Uh, I don't blame John for doubting my sources. Uh, all of them, our notes are included on the website. You can go to the website, look on the show notes. It's documented. You can find out any of this from church history, the references I gave. Not a single thing was made up except my interpretation of some things. But the quotes, any of the history, it's all verifiable and part of Mormon history. Sorry to say. All right, let's go to Mark in Clearfield. Mark, first-time caller. You're on Heart of the Matter. Hey. Hey, Mark. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm glad I got through. I really dig your ministry. It's cool. Right on, dude. 
Thanks, dude. Hey, um, I have a uh, a question. Um, okay, you you say we could have our names removed from the list of the church, correct? Yes. Okay, how about the people that were baptized in our family after they were, you know, after they died? How, how about that? No, you're gonna have a. I think you're gonna have a hard time with that one. You could probably raise a stink. I know that that the Jewish. Uh, I don't know what group it was, but there were some Orthodox Jews that were very offended that work was being done for their relatives, and I think that was stopped. Uh, you might be able to really try to raise a stink and say, hey, you wouldn't baptize my relatives, but if you have some LDS members in your family that are having that work done vicariously for them, I don't think you're going to be able to stop it. Oh, okay, there's one more point. Yes. So um, my sister, she was a member of the church, the rest of, of us family members we are not uh-huh um she was murdered earlier I'm last month i'm sorry terrible thing i know um she was lds they had an lds funeral of course and they cut my side of the family completely out they didn't invite us to speak to pray or anything and they did it very politely and they um they smiled and patted us on the back and gave us a, a friendly, no thanks, we got it all covered, which, you know, really hurt us all because, you know, gosh, she was my sister. Right. And now, you know, I'm not even using my real name because I don't want to put in a, um, you know, a distance between my nephews and nieces who belong to the church. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that. And it's, it's uh, very, very common. And bottom line, you ought to read, or some, the audience, read Boyd K. Packer's uh, comments about funerals and Mormonism. And essentially he says the funerals are ours, and we will teach, they're a place to teach people about Mormonism, visitors who come in to wish the departed goodbye. And it's a, it's a, it's a prospecting time for Mormons in their funerals. So they are very rarely going to allow uh, somebody who's fallen away from the church or haven't joined the church to speak unless they're very friendly with the LDS. I'm sorry to hear that. It's a, it's a terrible thing. Well, it, it, it was terrible. And, um, you know, of course, we're going to get over it. We're going to move on. And um, I am so determined to save my nephews and nieces now from this church, which is a huge abomination. You know, I've been watching you for about a year now. And I am kind of scared for them because... Uh, a few of them are so into it that that's all they do. I mean, they will actually, you know, get rid of family members just to stay with that church. Sure. It's such a frightening thing. Yeah. They say they're for family, but you find somebody in the family who stands up against them, and they'll cut them out as quick as, as the sun rises. I mean, in my own marriage, I mean, the bishop told my wife, leave them, leave them. I mean, and uh, she probably should have left me, but not on, on the grounds of me leaving the church. Uh, and that happens a lot. They will break up families quickly if it comes to the church or families. So, uh, hey, how are you going to approach your uh, nephews and nieces? With uh, What are you going to do? Well, for um, my two youngest nieces, they're kind of, they don't like that church. They okay. go there and they spend all day Sunday at, you know, it's no day of rest for them. It's How about your nephews who are really into it? Oh, yeah. I got uh, two nephews and a niece. And how are you going to approach them with the truth? I'm not sure. What do you suggest? I suggest that you go in and you just talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ and you talk to them about having a relationship with him and just ask them gently what that means. Talk to them about sin and how sin is handled and open up the dialogue relative to salvation. And, and continue to pray and be peaceful and kind. And in time, I think the Lord will, will open up doors that, uh, to the seeds that you've been planting, Mark. Well, you know, both of my nephews are returned missionaries. Oh, that's okay. I was one too. But hey, they know, they know the deal. They know the, the they, talk and everything. They know the talk. <laughs> yes. And, I, and I'm going to make this happen because, you know, I've done all my crying and now I'm determined and... You know, I love the Lord, and I want to be up in heaven with all of us, not Good. three different stages or apartments or whatever. Praise God. Keep turning over to the Lord, Mark. Thanks for the call. Amen. Thank you, brother. Okay, bye-bye.
We're going to Micah in Winter Garden, Florida, first time caller. Micah, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how's it going? I'm go going well. How are you going? Good. <laughs> this is uh, Micah from Adams Road. Hey, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Doing well. Good. Well, I just, um, I, I just wanted to read something. We've gotten a lot of uh, comments and responses um, from when we were on the show a couple weeks ago. Okay. And I uh, just want to thank, you know, all the all the people who, who, you know, took the time to watch the show and have written to us and gotten a lot of love mail and a lot of hate mail from it. <laughs> I bet you have. But, um, a lot of people have asked us about, um, or asked me, I guess, about, you know, the, this pastor that had kind of started this whole thing and, uh, and if he knew what was going on and all that stuff. And uh, I actually sent him a link to the show, and he did watch it. And uh, he sent me an email back, and I just wanted to read that on the air, just kind of for the people who were wondering about him, and, and um, if it's all right if I read that real quick. Okay, go ahead. All right, man. It says, uh, hey, Micah, it's so good to hear from you. What an awesome testimony. Thank you for taking your faith where it is not known. I am moved every time I think about the divine appointment that the Lord allowed us to have. You will never know how the Lord worked in my heart to prepare me for the meetings that we had together. I had studied Mormonism in my past, in my past, but through an encounter with a family that was ready to join the LDS church I had while I was out doing door-to-door -door visitation, the Lord challenged me to really understand it. I met this family who was ready to join the Mormon church after studying it for a long time. They basically said, we're going to join, but I will give you the opportunity to show us why it is wrong and try to talk us out of it. That was an overwhelming challenge. I was a 20-year-old Bible college student at the time. I studied the major tenets of the LDS and compared them with scripture. By the time I was done, I was convinced that the right answer for me was not to win an argument, but to get these people to read and understand the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. I praise the Lord that after meeting with this family for several weeks, we quickly got to the place where their questions were about the Bible and not Mormonism. After five weeks, I led both the husband and the wife to Jesus Christ. Wow. That was in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I praise the Lord that he used the time to pre pre prepare me to meet with you. It had been years since I reviewed any of what I had studied, but as I met with you guys, the Lord brought that all back to my mind. He promised, open your mouth and I will fill it. If he used me in your life in this way, he gets all the glory because he was the one that filled my mouth. The scriptures challenge us to be ready to always, to give every man an answer for the hope that lies within us. Thank you for going out and telling what God has done for you. I am thankful that I was able to be used. My prayer every day is that the Lord will accomplish, um, is the Lord accomplish your will in someone's life today. And if you would, please use, use me to do it. So anyway, I just thought, uh, thought that you might want to hear that and the, the listeners might want to hear that and just know that, uh, that, that God's work is moving forth everywhere. And uh, Well, you know, we, I really appreciate it, Mike. That you're doing to you know, inform people of the truth, and, and, you know, despite what a lot of people say, and you know, what a lot of people say to us, you know, is that, that we're bashing Mormons, or that we hate Mormons, or that, you know, whatever, but the truth is, is that we are out proclaiming the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and as Christians, we have that obligation to warn people against, you know, like you said earlier in the show, those who claim to be Christians, Right. You know, those who claim to be, you know, the poses apostles of Jesus Christ when they're not, and when their fruits are, are not true and good fruits, then, then we have an obligation to warn people that and to help people understand, you know, what is true and what isn't so that, you know, they're not deceived by the devil. That's awesome, Micah. It's a great testimony to add to what you've already given. We've had a lot of emails. People have loved that show. You're, you're doing a great ministry. Give us your website again. Uh, it's uh, www.myspace.com slash adamsroadband. And uh, our email is uh, adams.road at gmail.com. All right. So uh, people can replay that because I doubt anybody. <laughs> that was a long one. But you know what? Uh, you guys are great. And I hope we can influence you to come out back uh, to Utah sooner than you intend. Well, I appreciate it, Sean, and uh, again, thanks for all that you do, and, and God bless. God bless you. Th say hi right, to everybody. Okay, bye-bye. Great call. They're great guys, and the Lord is using them in, in a fresh and unique way, and uh, their youthfulness and, and all that is just beautiful, and so he uses everybody in different ways.
And some people are, are, are the soft way. It's interesting to me that that pastor that led Micah to the Lord uh, influenced a family from Scranton, Pennsylvania, who's going to join the church to a knot because I served part of my mission in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I wonder if that was somebody I was trying to bring in. All right, let's go to Marvin in Nampa, Idaho, uh, line three. Marvin, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, is it Sean? It is. Yeah, Sean, I just wanted to tell you, the guy you were talking to, uh, you know, first of all, I want to say that you did not apostatize in any way. In oh. fact, you found the truth. Praise God. I agree. Um, anyhow, when this guy was talking, I was remembered about Galatians chapter 1, um, verse, uh, oh, what is it at? Verse uh, 8 and 9. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Yeah. It's a great... My question is... Oh, go ahead. My question is, is if Joseph Smith was a prophet, you know, like you said he was, then why did he bring another gospel? Yeah, the LDS say it's not another gospel. It's the same gospel. But uh, uh, the, the interesting thing about that, Marvin, is that if you ask, like I mentioned last week, anybody who knows the Bible, all you got to do is take someone who really knows the Bible and lay out Mormonism next to it, and they always say it's another gospel. And you ask the Mormon, why do they do that? And they'll say, well, they're jealous of us, or, or they're afraid of the another. Truth. And another quick um, question before I let you go. Okay. Revelation chapter, I can't remember what chapter it is. Oh, it's, it's the last chapter. Okay. It says if anybody adds or takes away from this book, not, not the revelation itself, but the whole revelation, you know, that his name will be taken away from the Lamb's book of life. Mm-hmm. So right there, you know, Joseph Smith uh, went against God's word. Yeah, it, 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 he, he did in that sense. Uh, there's, some, there's some question as to the uh, inspiration as to the order of the books, and most people think that that is referring to the revelation, singular, of John itself. But I would agree with you that you don't add to the Word of God. Exactly. Thanks, Marv. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you have a blessed night, and it's good talking to you once again. Same to you, Marvin. Bye. All right. All right, we're going to Stephanie and Murray. Stephanie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. It's been a long time since I talked to you. It has. Hey, I just want to let you guys know that uh, I do believe what you're saying is the truth. That, that it was ever, you know, it's more than just a feeling. You have to have, you have to have document, documented proof, and also have physical proof. Yeah. And I believe in physical testimony more than I believe in, in this, you know the other parts of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I'd like to say one thing. In the in the book of Revelations, um, Revelations chapter 11, they talk about a lamb-faced beast that's coming out from out of the ground with the, with the, uh, with the dragon's tongue. And I'm wondering if this is probably uh, the odious religion that's going to be coming out of the ground from the United States. Yeah, don't know. I have uh, I have a suspicion about that because they say that all religions will fall into their religion, and I and I don't think that's going to happen. Right. I right. don't think that's really going to happen in any time soon. Yeah. Great point, Stephanie. Thank you so much. No problem. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. The LDS are making a concerted effort to really become ingrained with other uh, Christian churches. And they even have uh, instructions in their general handbooks or in their, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, the papers they'll send out, uh, talking about loving your minister neighborhood. And they tell them, they tell their bishops and the people in the church to go out and visit a minister at his church and attend special events at the minister's church and invite him to lunch and attend clergy council as an observer or friend to send congratulations on recognition whenever it's appropriate to the pastor or to the clergyman, to offer a special shrub or tree for their new building, uh, to invite them to a clergy-only open house tours at LDS churches, 
to offer your service in response to their needs, such as fires, emergencies, to send flowers for special events, such as Easter and uh, Christmas. Uh, and then they tell you to do all these other things. And they're telling the, the members of the church to go out and do this because as you have more personal interaction with people, the walls break down, you start to forget about doctrines, and you just start to love them. You're a Christian. You're going to love them. And the LDS people may love them, uh, Christians in return. But there's an undercurrent, and it's always, always to get more Christians either to join Mormonism or to have the Christians look at the Mormons and say, we're all the same. And it's an ecumenical drive that has been underfoot for probably the past 15 years in Mormonism, maybe longer, maybe a lot longer, actually. And they are constantly trying to do this. So just beware. Uh, they want to be included in the body of Christ. They want to, for there to come a day when everybody says, Mormons, Christians, don't do it. We're going to Rachel in Napa, Idaho, first time caller. Rachel, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Um, I actually just want to have a comment to make and kind of a, and I want to commend you first of all for what you're doing. I think it's amazing. And also just sort of a comment and a chance to um, just kind of say to the, the LDS people that are listening, you know, just how a caution sort of, because I believe that Satan, this is like the closest thing he has to Christianity. Yes. You know? And it's like his way of just getting it right in there and twisting it just enough, you know, to mislead people. Um, and I think that's phenomenal. So, well, so uh, was that your comment? Pretty much, yeah. I just wanted to say that and kind of caution them. Um, I really commend you, though. I think what you're doing is amazing, and I love your show. Well, <laughs> thanks so much, Rachel. I really appreciate it. God bless yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. She makes a good point about uh, Mormonism is probably the best counterfeit to uh, the, the biblical uh, gospel. And you have to admit, if you were Satan, wouldn't you want to come up with a counterfeit? So there's going to be a counterfeit to what Christ offers, right? What would that counterfeit be? What would that counterfeit look like? Would it look horrible, evil with horns? Or would it look pretty good on the outside? Would it look like Christianity? You want a counterfeit to look as close as you can to the real McCoy. So ask yourself, what would the counterfeit of true Christianity be? What would it look like? Look around and see, and then start looking at what the Word says about the signs of bad fruit, bad trees, bad prophets, things like that, and maybe your eyes will open. We're going to Stephen and Clinton. Stephen, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, uh, God bless you for, uh, is it Sean? It is. Hey, uh, I wonder if you would have blessed me if it wasn't. <laughs> uh, God bless you for your work. Um, I just wanted to add something to... Uh, your sermon on uh, Blood Atonement, I actually was just reading this the other day, and uh, in the Journal of Discourses and in the history of the church, um, the uh, leaders of the church have outlined uh, the offenses that are worthy of Blood Atonement. Oh. And of course, you have murder on there, you have adultery, healing, um, apostasy, lying, counterfeiting, but some of the ones, you know, using the name of the Lord in vain, but some of the ones that really kind of amazed me was one of them was not receiving the gospel. Wow. And another one was marriage to an African. That was Brigham Young. There you go. Thank you for that one, Brigham. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to pass that on to you and tell you, man, God bless you. You're doing a great thing. You've helped my testimony as a Christian. Uh, I've been watching you since the very beginning, and I actually called a couple times right when you first got started, and I haven't been able to catch your shows as much as I would like to. How dare you? Hey, Steve, thank, but where did you get that information from? I, well, you mentioned the uh, Utah Lighthouse Ministries. Yeah. I got it from uh, the Mormon Kingdom, Volume 1. Excellent. So there you go. There's a reference for you, uh, folks. He, Steve's not making this up. He gave you a reference. It's right there. Grab that book, grab that writing, and look it up. Now that's for uh, John, who was a little skeptical of what you were saying. But, uh, yeah. yeah, Gerald and Sandra Tanner come through once again. Yes, thank, thank God for their ministry. Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much, Steve. No problem. God, God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. We're going to Mike in Melba, Idaho. Mike, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Um, my question is, I, I have this guy I work with who's a Mormon fellow and 
And uh, I keep on asking him questions, and, and he keeps on referring back to books that I don't have in my King James Version. Um, and specifically, uh, the book of Moses and the book of Abraham. And my question is, is are those books that are, uh, do, do the Jews have those books, or do just the Mormons have those books? Just the Mormons. Joseph Smith undertook uh, a daunting task uh, of translating the Bible, retranslating it. He didn't know any languages, so it was just by virtue of revelation that he received. And he got into Genesis, and he added a bunch to Genesis, and that became what they call the Book of Moses. And that's in a separate volume that the Mormons call the Pearl of Great Price. Then he also was traveling around, and we covered this, and he, someone sold the church some mummies uh, from Egypt that had some scrolls in them. And Joseph took those scrolls, and he said that by virtue of his ability to just look at them and translate, he came up with this miraculous story, and that miraculous story is called the Book of Abraham. So those two books, plus his testimony, make up what's called the Pearl of Great Price, and it's one of their four standard works that they call Scripture. So that's what he's referring to. He's not referring to anything that you should be familiar with. He's referring to strictly LDS teachings that came from Joseph Smith. Okay, because I kept, you know, I kind of was talking to him about it. He keeps on referring back to these books. and I said, man, I never heard of those books. And, yeah. And he acts like they're right there in the, in the King James Version, so... Yeah, he's, a, he's, either, uh, he's either really confused and he just really believes it's in the Bible, but when he quotes Moses or he quotes Abraham, he's quoting from Joseph Smith's mind. All right. All right. Hey, thanks for the call, Mike. Thank you. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. We're going to Gabriel, first-time caller from Nampa, Idaho. Gabriel, you're on Heart of the Matter. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Good. What's going on? Yeah, well, I, I recently just picked up a... The Book of Mormon, right? Uh-huh. And I've, I've never seen the show before. Okay. And, and I'm about to sit down and read it. Yeah. And so I tune into the show, and I hear all the things you're talking about and things like that. Yeah. So I'm kind of torn on, you know, on what to do. I've, I've always battled really badly with my faith. Uh-huh. So, I mean, is it, you know, is it a bad thing that I'm wanting to pick it up and read it? Well, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. I mean, curiosity, people read the Book of Mormon. I would, I would counsel you. Uh, have you read uh, and spent time to read the Bible? I have. You have not? I have. Oh, you have? And, and what is your impression from that? I believe the Bible, everything in the Bible is, is, I believe it to be true. You know, the, like you were talking about the facts behind it. Yeah. All there. Yeah. And when I go on, and you know, I go online to research the Book of Mormon, I find absolutely no facts, no evidence that anything in the like the battle they talk about ever existed. They... Yeah, Gabriel, there's absolutely no physical evidence, even I mean nothing at all. And if you go back, I challenge. Do you got the internet? I do. Yeah, go to uh, uh, two things. Go to hotm.tv. And we did a number of shows on the Book of Mormon. And just listen to those seven shows about the construction of the Book of Mormon. And then also go, if you would, to utlm.org and just read about the Book of Mormon from their research. And then, then decide if you still want to read it. But at least when you read it then, your eyes are going to be further opened about what it's about. And you're going to see through it. But I would counsel you, my friend, go to the Lord Ask, ask him to guide you and to keep your eyes open to truth and try if you can, maybe you've had failure in this area, but try if you can to get to a Bible teaching church out there and just seek if the Lord will open your eyes, give you a new heart and help you see his truth through all these things that have been thrown at you. I'll, I'll definitely do that. Will you call us back and tell us uh, what your findings were after watching those few shows and going to utlm.org? Yeah. All right, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for calling. And I, I just wanted to say good job on the, on the counters against that guy, Jim. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. No problem. Okay, bye. All right, we're going to Curtis and Woods Cross, first-time caller. Curtis, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, Sean. Um, I was just curious. Um, why do you 
seem to tell everybody that your church is um, not a church when we all know that the Sousa Street revival and stuff came way after the Mormons ever did, and you try to act like this is not a church that you belong to, when obviously it is a church that you belong to. Can you clarify what you mean? I don't, I don't know what you're talking Are you talking about Lord's Word? Yeah, and just the whole movement, the born-again movement, all started with the Sousa Street revival. Oh, and I so see. Forth. No, I think it started with John 3. Um, Sousa Street revival, I'm not so sure about, but Jesus said, strangely, that you must be born again to Nicodemus. I think that's where the revival started. Well, then how come your people always, I've listened to um, that channel that you're on in the 18 and um, the um, broadcast network or with Christian Broadcast Network, and they always talking about Sousa Street revival. And then, you know, that's when all of a sudden all of the miracles started happening and they all started praying in tongues and stuff. And they don't really talk about Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, they're talking about this other time. You know what? I, I've been a... a, a a studious Christian for maybe six years now, and I've only heard Sousa Street Revival a couple times in my life. It maybe means nothing to me. Well, maybe you ought to investigate your church a little more. I don't belong to a church. I belong to the body of Christ, so I, don't, I still don't understand what your point is. I guess that's why you have a shirt that says bad religion, because that's your church. We'll talk to you Ooh, later, Sean. good one. Gosh. Where did you get that? That... Ability. <laughs> all right, all right. We're going to Vanny in Kearns, first time caller. Vanny, you're on Heart of the Matter. You only have one minute, Vanny. Vanny, it's Janie. Sorry, they got a V on the screen. Sorry, Janie. It's okay. I have a question. How do they allow um, non Mormons? get baptized and get um, sealed in the temple after committing adultery. How do they allow that? Yeah. Well, they can't interview them to find out if they did it or not, I guess. I, you know, if they're dead, they just do the work, and then it's going to be up to God and them if they accept it. That's their thinking, I would suppose. My, my husband of 17 years got hooked up with a girl that was LDS and left me and his three children high and dry and married her as soon as our divorce was final. And they just got married in the temple. Wow. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that. That's a horrible situation. Let me ask you, Janie, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry about that situation, but what are you doing now in your life? We go to Christian church. Good for you. And has and that, uh, that been beneficial? Do you consider yourself uh, born again? You have a walk with the Lord? Are you strong in your faith? Yes, sir. How are your children doing? I have, my kids are all good. My daughter is very active in the church, and so is my youngest. Well, good. Have you remarried? No. Well, I, 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 I'm glad that you've taken the high road and followed the Lord through this. I'm so sorry these terrible things happen. They don't happen alone with the Mormons, but I can see you're having some bitterness in that respect, and it's not right in any, any way, sense, or form. God bless you, Janie. You too. Bye-bye. We're out of time. Remember, September 20th, Saturday, come to Sugar House Park. Join us for Burning Heart 08, the day of decision. We're going to have a heated pool there if you want to be baptized there and express your faith to the Lord publicly. We or somebody there would love to do it. Great music, great food. Tell your friends, Burning Heart, September 20th, Saturday, Sugar House Park. See you next week on Heart of the Matter.
Cut to. Hi, this is Sean McCraney with Heart of the Matter, which airs right here on AM820 The Truth, Tuesday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. Hey, listen, on Saturday, September 20th from 3 to 9 at Sugar House Park, join us for our annual outreach, Burning Heart 08, The Day of Decision. Bring your LDS friends and neighbors, great food, great music, fellowship, open water baptism, Saturday, September 20th, Sugar House Park, 3 p.m. I was tired last week.